welcome to another episode of Faith in the Fire. Uh, Last week, we did a deep dive on forgiveness, and I love talking about forgiveness. It's such a powerful, powerful tool when you're going through something and you have to find your way out or dig your way out of darkness. Uh, it, It really is, like, to me, it's like, magic. Um, and I hope I hope y'all were clear on the fact that humans do not forgive and forget. Actually, we are we are human. And so we actually uh, store those memories, right? And so in in Matthew 18, we talked about last week where Jesus told Peter, we actually have to forgive 70 times seven, which means every single time it comes up, we got to forgive again. And um, because because we hold on to those. And actually, that's what we're going to talk about this week. We're going to talk about memories and experiences and how when we experience trauma, those memories can actually be stored as triggers within ourselves. And so um, I want to I, I want to talk a little bit about what a trigger is. And I want to preface this by saying I don't like the word trigger. I think it's an overused word. Uh, and yet it is the scientific term for what we're discussing. So I, I'm going to use it. Uh, but please note that, you know, nowadays everybody's triggered by everything and it's, it's quite frustrating, uh, when people actually are struggling with these things or have, having real triggers. And I'm going to go into a little bit about what is actually happening in the body when we're, when we're triggered, uh, because I think it's important to note. Um, and I, I think it's important to understand why God created that. And so a trigger is actually a stimulus that causes um, a painful memory or a painful experience to resurface. So uh, an example might be, you know, you're driving along on the road, there's a song playing on the on the radio, and you're in a car accident. Well, from that point on, um, that song may bring up the memory of of that car accident. And so you're, you go through all of those feelings and all of the experiences and the pains and the memories of that accident all over again, right? Another one is, you know, smells. Uh, If I'm going to bring up a positive, uh, because it can't all be negative. But um, so a positive would be, you know, if you're in love, and your significant other or the person that you're with has a specific cologne or perfume or, or what have you. And anytime you smell that, you're going to think of them and you'll, you'll probably think fondly of them. A negative version of that would be if you were raised in maybe an alcohol, alcoholic home. Uh, and, you know, anytime you're the mother or father, the alcoholic parent uh, would get drunk, maybe they became abusive or, you know, some other traumatic event or experience occurred, then anytime that you smell alcohol, you may be brought right back to that place where that, that negative experience took place. And you, you re-experience that, that environment all over again. And it's, it's, you know, when you're in the early stages of healing, those, those moments make, it feels very real. It feels like the first time it feels like you're, you're there in that moment and it's, it's heavy and it's intense and a lot. Um, yeah, another example, like voices, hearing certain people's voices, um, 
there was, you know, a story that I heard of a mother who obviously lost her mind. Uh, she was in a relationship, loved this man. The man decided that she was too much for her, for, for him. And, um, he actually didn't want any kids. And so he left her because he wasn't ready to have kids. Right. And so she started to resent her kids because she felt they were the reason that she lost the man of her dreams. And so she actually, uh, shot her kids while, uh, two of the three survived. And, um, one of them was in a, in a coma for a long time. Well, as the, that little girl was coming out of the coma, uh, the mother went to visit the hospital. This was, I mean, she, she hadn't been caught yet, obviously, but the mother went to visit the hospital. And, um, while the mother was talking, the, the little girl couldn't speak. Uh, but while the mother was talking, every single one of her, uh, monitored rates, like her heart rate, her blood pressure, all of those, every single one of them spiked just by the sound of her mother's voice, which actually ultimately is what instigated the investigation on the mother, uh, and ultimately got her charged. But so like voices can do that specific places. Um, if something traumatic happened in a specific place, you get the point. So, um, you know, and, and these, these things happen because, when we have these experiences, our body actually stores those experiences um, or those memories within our body. Uh, there's there's a book. It's called "The Body Keeps the Score." It's very sciency. It's very um, very dry. Uh, if you're not into that kind of thing, don't even pick it up because you won't read it. Um, but if you're nerdy like me. Uh, those kinds of things will like hold your attention. Well, this, this book talks about how our body, when we experience trauma, it will hold on to things. And when we, when we are triggered or when those memories resurface, we will actually feel that memory in the same place uh, we've, we felt it initially. Example, uh, you are in an abusive home. Uh, you, you're raised in an abusive home every single time, uh, you're, you go home and your, your parent walks in the door, the one that's abusing you, uh, you get nervous or you get, um, anxious, uh, because you know something bad's going to happen. Well, normally when we're nervous or anxious, we'll feel that in our, in our stomach. And so anytime that parent's name is mentioned or you're, you know, in, in one of those areas where a smell or a voice, uh, reminds you of that moment. Um, you, you will feel it back in that stomach, back in your gut, your gut will feel that anxiety or that nervousness. Um, I, I can give you a personal example. Um, and, and this is, this is pretty vulnerable, but y'all, you'll figure it out. Um, that's the whole point of me doing this is so that you guys can, you know, learn from whatever my experiences have been. So I am an adopted child and I have adopted kids. So I am adopted by just my dad. My mother is my biological mother. She remarried after having me and my other siblings. And, um, that man who in most situations becomes the stepfather, he actually adopted us and became dad. Well, uh, my biological father, um, 
obviously abandoned me and, and my other siblings. And, um, so that with abandonment comes, you know, that's a trauma abandonment. It also brings along with it rejection, uh, and certain attachment disorders will, uh, kind of surface out of, out of those experiences. So, uh, bring those experiences into my adult world now. Um, you know, anytime that there's any sense of rejection or I feel, um, abandoned in, in any way, like, uh, somebody wasn't there when I needed them to be or, um, a threat of leaving. And I'll give you a good example of this. So my adopted children, I've, I stand by this. Every single adopted child has looked their adopted parents in the face at some point and said, yeah, well, you're not my real mom or my real dad or, um, or said something along the lines of, I wish you weren't my mother or my father, or I wish you had never adopted me or whatever it is. And, um, so obviously I'm no different. I'm sure I've said those things. And then obviously those things have been said to me. Well, because of my past experiences, uh, anytime something like that has been said to me, it automatically triggers or makes my experiences as a child resurface and where I feel those is in my chest. Uh, and the way that I can explain that is, um, I wouldn't say that my chest gets tight, uh, but definitely my heart beats super fast. Um, I feel maybe some shallow breathing, uh, but there is a physical, um, there's a physical pain almost in my chest. And it, it, like when you say like my heart hurts, like it literally hurts my heart. Now, even though I know, uh, that they don't mean it or, or whatever, I can remove myself to a certain extent, those traumas are still held. And so it's going to have an effect. Now, when a trauma is, uh, pretty fresh, um, those, when, when you are, reliving those memories, it feels like you're there for the the first time. It is so real. And in really extreme circumstances, you, I mean, you can be paralyzed by fear and it can be, I mean, you can see some pretty extreme reactions. Um, it, people having to be, um, restrained, uh, things like that. If it's, if, if it's from like a, a really horrid, uh, situation, if it's a, if it's a car accident, you just might, see them, you know, grip the, grip the wheel or grip the door, grip the seatbelt or something, um, because they're, they're afraid or, you know, it, it depends on the situation. But as you heal from those traumas and as you become, um, more, uh, more well acquainted with what those triggers are and, and you're able to recognize them more as they surface, you actually start to kind of be able to handle them or I don't like the word control because that's not what you're trying to do. Um, but you, you actually can, um, kind of accept it and you can work through it with almost probably at some point nobody will even notice. Um, another example, um, that I like to use is, and so my friend Erica and pretty much everybody else that knows me, um, we like, we like to joke, you know, I went through divorce and, um, in, in all of that, you know, lost, lost a lot. Uh, 
And since that relationship, because that relationship was 12 years and, you know, you think that you're going to be with this person forever. Lots of different things happened, right? A 12 year marriage and, um, it, it didn't work. And so now I'm like, well, I tried it once. It's not going to work. So even, even in dating or anything like that, like my first, any sign or any, <laughs> any bit of like, uh, I don't know if I like that or discomfort or anything, um, I tend to, my first reaction is run, like just, just get out. And so, um, we like to joke and we always sing, she's a runner, she's a track star and it's hilarious. But, um, you know, now I can laugh about it, but there were some real fears there where I was, I was literally pushing away or running away from any relationship, even, even my children. And, and so that's, that's kind of the, the more extreme side of things. And, and there, there are reasons for this, you know, and, and so the body, the body will hold those traumas and they, they serve the, the triggers and the, the reactions to those experiences serve as warning signs. And sometimes those warnings are warranted and others, it is just a, a, obviously a trigger response or an auto, auto response. And so, you know, God gave us this and built our bodies this way so that we would be able to recognize different scenarios if they repeated themselves in our lives. For example, if you're in a, I'm going to use a relationship one again, if you were in an abusive relationship and you got out of that relationship and you go into another relationship and this person is behaving similarly or showing similar signs uh that the that the previous relationship had exhibited prior to becoming abusive your your triggers will be activated and you will be a little bit more alert and you'll be able to pay more attention and observe and protect yourself from walking into a potentially disastrous situation so there are reasons um for this and and so one of one of the things that i i like to kind of talk to people about is you know triggers aren't forever and you don't have to trauma because of neuroplasticity trauma is healable and i think that some people kind of forget that they they feel you know uh the weight of everything and they're like oh i'm never going to get over this and this is never going to get better and i'm never going to be normal or you know what have you and so they kind of just succumb to all of these triggers and and they live their lives in fear and that's not how we are meant to live you know it's in the bible it says 365 times that's one time for every day it says do not be afraid 365 times or do not worry do not have fear like it's repeated so many times in the bible that, you know, it's, it's like one of the most repeated phrases, do not fear. And yet, as life happens to us, and as we have experiences that are painful, we have reason to have fear. And we, we also have uh, a system, we have tools, systems, resources to um, make sure that we can drive out those fears, and we can kind of fight those fears. So first, first things first, is awareness. Guys, if you are not even aware that you're being triggered, start there. Uh, start recognizing like, hey, anytime this one person is around, I get really uncomfortable. Or, you know, anytime that I'm in, you know, such and such place, 
like I feel really uneasy and start kind of digging, digging your way through like what could be causing that. Um, or any time that uh, a common one that I hear a lot is, uh, people come to me for relationship advice and, um, they'll, they'll say, you know, I met this guy and he's really awesome. And the only thing is, you know, he, he takes days to text me back or he, he does this or that, whatever. Well, if, if there is something or lack of communication or something else that is happening in that relationship that is making you uncomfortable, well, first go back to, you know, one of the first episodes, you got to look within yourself. Where's that coming from? What's the root of that? Why do you feel so uncomfortable or uneasy when that happens? Go, go dig a little bit deeper and see where it is within you. And then kind of try to figure out where, where you can, you know, kind of self-soothe or how you can kind of remedy that. But one, one of the first things is make sure that you're just aware, just make sure you're aware, uh, and, and try to have perspective, like try to remove yourself a little bit, try to kind of take like a, a big picture view of the situation. And, you know, when you're, when you're in the center of it, it's really, really hard for you to remove yourself from it. But if you just step away for a little bit and kind of back, back away from the situation and get a, a bigger picture of what's going on, uh, that will kind of help you to put things into perspective and realize that, you know, Hey, this, this isn't happening right now. This is something that kind of happened before. It's okay. Um, this is, this is the true picture and you can kind of recognize, uh, what's, what the truth of that scenario is. Uh, and, and then from there you can, you can just remind yourself that you're safe. I'm nowhere near that person or that thing, or that's not at all what's happening. This is what I, these are the truths that I know to be happening. Um, and you can, you can just remind yourself that you're safe. That's one of the biggest things is we don't feel safe. We feel uncomfortable or uneasy or, um, like we're about to lose something or someone, or we're about to be hurt. And, and we don't feel safe. And one of the things that humans desire most is a feeling of security, uh, feeling, feeling safe. I was teaching a class, um, last week and, you know, I was, I was defining competence and I just, you know, I could pull a definition from, you know, the, the dictionary, but I just wanted to put it into my own words. And so I said, you know, confidence is the feeling of security. And one of the ladies that was in the room was like, oh, like she, she had this huge sigh. And I was like, oh, what, what was that about? And she was like, I hate that word. And I said, why? And she very kind of soberingly said, because I've never had it. And that kind of struck me because that's what we all want. We all want to feel safe. And, and anytime that we don't feel safe, we either want to fight, run or freeze. And that's, you know, that's our, our body's natural reaction. So, um, just kind of start with perspective and then just remind yourself that you're safe. Um, even if it's, you know, I, I like to repeat scripture, but if you have a certain mantra, um, that you like to kind of repeat, uh, then do that. But you know, my, my go-to is scripture and I have certain ones that I go to. Uh, the other thing is, and I think that we're really, really bad about this. Um, you need to have self-compassion and acceptance. So that can mean a couple things. Um, I've heard, you know, lots of people come and say, you know, 
especially in uh, in a sexual abuse situation, they kind of feel like it was their fault. Like, oh, I must have provoked them or it's because I was, you know, my shorts were too short or, I, you know, whatever shame thing that they're doing. Uh, but, you know, we have to kind of have compassion for ourselves and we have to remind ourselves that, like, we didn't make any of those people hurt us. That was their choice and it's not our fault. And we kind of have to accept that, hey, those things happened to me, uh, but it it does not define me. And so you practice having compassion and, and being okay with not being okay. You know, this is really hard and I'm not where I want to be yet, but I'm working toward it every single day and uh, I will I will get there. And the more you have compassion for yourself and you accept what is and accept the path that you're on now versus, you know, just living in that past, uh, the, the more likely you are to kind of take, take more control over those, those memories and they'll, they'll start to affect you or impact you less. Those, those moments where you feel like, oh my gosh, and the the intense memory comes back that will slowly become less intense. The other thing that I, um, I, I like to talk about is like mindfulness. Now that's a pretty sciencey word. Uh, but in, in Bible terms, it's, it's actually prayer. Uh, it's, it's getting, you know, alone, getting in the quiet and just being present with, with yourself and Christ and, and praying and kind of, you know, centering yourself on the, on the word of God and centering yourself and and repeating to yourself those, the scriptures that, you know, that define you, you know, you are uh, a daughter or a son of the one true King. Uh, You are holy and blameless in his sight. You are perfect. You are precious. You are a treasure. And just kind of reminding yourself of those things and praying those things and, um, and just being in the presence of God is, is huge. And it's, it's, um, it's comforting and you can do that anywhere at any time. And so that's a, that's a huge tool too. Um, there's, you know, in, in certain situations, if you're around somebody that's kind of, uh, at a state where you're like, uh, this is, this is a lot and I don't really know what to do with this. If you're around somebody that's going through it and they are completely, um, unaware of, it's almost like they seem like they are in a completely different world or reality. Uh, one of the things that you can do is um, do do a grounding technique. Uh, this can be as simple as, and it's it's just bringing them back to reality. And because when you are triggered very intensely, sometimes you aren't in a you aren't in this this space or in reality. You are in your head and you are living in a completely different dimension in that moment than the rest of society. And so sometimes you do have to be quote brought back down to earth, uh, because it's, you've just kind of gone off. Right. And so one of the ways that you can do that is through grounding and grounding is basically, um, you just kind of pay attention to the things that are in the room. If you're doing it for somebody else, you can ask them questions like, Hey, what color is this carpet? Uh, or, um, where are we? What's the date today? And it literally is just, all you're doing is you're disrupting that cycle. 
and you are not only disrupting it by asking them a question and making them think about something else, you're making them think about the now. You're making them think about the actual surroundings, not their made up scenario, whatever's going on in their head. And, you know, I've had to do this with my kids too. And like, hey, what time is it? What color is your shirt? Are you sitting or standing and just asking those questions? But if it's you and you have the wherewithal to be able to kind of uh, do this for yourself, um, then you, you can just kind of remind yourself, Hey, I'm at work. I'm safe. Or, Hey, I'm in my house. I'm safe. They're not here. Or, uh, that was then this is now, or you can go into that, you know, Hey, this isn't okay. And I need some, some prayer time and I need to go meditate on God's, God's word. Those are all uh, ways that you can kind of reground yourself and bring yourself back to reality. If you kind of notice that your, um, your mind is getting the best of you. So, um, I hope that helps and helps you understand kind of what's going on in your body, why God built us this way, uh, why we shouldn't fear because God says not to 365 times and how to incorporate prayer into those moments so that you can kind of be comforted and, and restabilize. Uh, it's, it's normal. Everybody goes through it. We all have traumas, different things, different things trigger us. And that's just kind of the, how life works. We, we all have wounds. We all get hurt. They leave scars. Those scars are triggers. So, um, that's all I have for you today. Uh, I hope that you use some of these techniques or if you have questions, you can always email me at Noel N O E L at faith in the fire dot online and ask me any questions that you want. But just remember, you're fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. You just got to have faith in the fire. Until next time. Bye-bye.